As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. I feel I'm so much more relaxed. Thank you, Helen. I just feel like I'm excited and I feel relaxed and I'm ready. To party with the best of them, and I'm gonna go down to the river. <laughs> let's um, let's go take a nap. What do you say, Miss? You cannot be up here. Everybody, go back to your seat. Okay, you especially. You have three seconds to get back to your seat. Oh, you can't get anywhere in three seconds. Well, you better try. You're setting me up for a loss already. Okay, thank you. Whatever you say, Stove. It's Steve. Stove. What a kind of name is that? Well, that's not a name. My name is Steve. Are you an appliance? No, I'm a man, and my name is Steve. You're a flight attendant. That's absolutely accurate. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them cowboys? How about them cowboys, indeed. Week 13 already here Cowboys fans as we roll into probably the most anticipated Sunday night football matchup of them all it's the dreaded rivalry of the Cowboys and the Colts the story writes itself we're going to preview it all here on this episode of about them Cowboys welcome in I am Kent producing joined by three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys Saad Yusuf is hot on that Dallas Stars beat and the Cowboys beat simultaneously because he's a hustler so make sure you're checking out what the Dallas Stars are doing as well. But Sod's here to talk Cowboys. We've got Father John Mishota, always here, holding it down. And of course, from Terrestrial Radio, Kevin KT Turner is back. Welcome in, KT. Howdy, folks. Um, there's a lot of um, directions that we could start here, but uh, can we start with Odell Beckham? Are you guys okay with this? Yeah, let's do it. Today on... If, if, if you guys don't mind if I plug my show on 97.1 The Free. I saw you guys had an exclusive on there. Uh, yeah, We had an exclusive, exclusive. with Car- yeah, Carlos from the Odell Beckham Jr. plane, who was sitting business class. Tra- okay, hold on. How did you find this guy? Was he oh, a listener? this is real? This isn't a spoof? No, no, yeah, this is real. No, they yeah. got a guy that was on no the plane. Here. Yeah. How how did you put out a blast like, hey, if anyone was on the thing, how do you find someone on the plane? Because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't yeah. know where to. How do, how'd you validate this? We need to know some details. If it was here. somebody that just hit you up and was like, hey, I was on the plane. No, so I was scouring the internet, just you know, looking for a little more on on that plane, uh, and because I knew at some point someone would talk, right? I mm-hmm. mean, there's 200 people on the plane or whatever, like someone's right. going to talk. Um. And there was a story that was picked up by one of the big ones. Uh, might have been the New York Post, who's not the, you know, it's definitely not the New York Times, if you know what I'm saying. Not at all. New York, not even close. New York Times is legit. Uh, New York Post, he. Um, but there was an article and there was a guy who was interviewed. His name was Carlos Guana. Uh, turns out Carlos Guana is a very famous shark photographer, which I did not know at the time. But I went tracking him down, and I found him on Instagram pretty quickly, and then emailed him while also sliding in his DMs, and he agreed to come on our radio show. So he is sitting business class. Odell is sitting first class. But he said he was pretty close to first class. You know, you have the curtain, of course, 
to separate things, but so pretty close. He said it was an early morning flight, so everything was kind of quiet, you know, but he said he witnessed or heard zero commotion and you know, his takeaway, I don't put words in his mouth, but, uh, you know, his takeaway was basically really wasn't that big of a deal. And he didn't, you know, he wasn't mad. His whole message was that everyone, he had the very odd message of, um, I'm trying to filter myself here. His message was basically do what you're told. If you're on an airplane, buckle up, then, you know, maybe there's not any problems. I guess what I would say is if the guy in business class was that close to first class and heard nothing, then maybe this is no story at all. How is there no video of this? Yeah, well, if I see someone nothing. freak out on a plane, I pull out my phone immediately. Like, but he just told you he just told you there wasn't a freak out. So what is there to videotape? So one of the first stories that came out on Sunday was that there was a a flight attendant that was kind of getting into it with Odell a little bit, and he said he didn't witness that at all. Yeah, I was going to say, generally all. speaking, if there's anything that goes on on a plane like That's that, what I'm saying like where's somebody video? usually videotapes it. To my point being that. There was even video of him when he was exiting the plane with the police officers. Clearly, somebody started rolling there. So, honestly, all of that common sense of all of that, as we've all ridden on planes, is that there probably wasn't that big of a commotion or people would have been rolling on it. Yeah. Man, yeah. I, I know for me, early morning flights in general, dude, I'll put a – I don't usually have a blanket, but if I'm usually wearing a hoodie or a sweatshirt, I usually flip that thing over. And I'm trying to go to sleep before we take off, so I don't – this feels like a big nothing burger to me. He also said that no one on the flight seemed to like notice that it was Odell Beckham. He said he did because he's a Raiders fan. He's a big football fan. Um, but there's some just a little inside from someone yeah, who was that, on the plane. That's it's very nothing. interesting because the other side of it would be that I find it hard to believe that they're going to kick you off of a plane if you just didn't want to put on your seatbelt and they were asked one time. Just because of the work that you have to go to, I don't even care if you – can't stand the person that you're dealing with. You'd rather just be like, just let's get this thing off the ground and get to where we have to go. You know, the, the idea of having to deplane everybody and do all that stuff. So there's, there, it's got to be somewhere in the middle, you know, but it, but without anybody having any video or any, you know, any detail of, of exactly what went on, uh, it, it's tough to go too far one, one side or the other. Yeah, I think the middle kind of is like, I, I think I saw it in one of their statements where it, it was going to be a five hour flight. And so like if it was going to be a long flight and, you know, if it's a if it's something where they felt like I think the original thing was they felt like he was like medically off or something. And like and so, you know, they wanted to make sure like nothing like that happened, like he would be able to sustain a long flight. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't him creating chaos. Maybe it wasn't them hating. It was just somewhere in the middle, like you said, where there was just like some sort of concern on their end um, that, that he might not be, you know, as, as well off. It's, it, this is not a story at all. If this is, you know, Marcus Pollard, legendary right. Colts tight end. Are we all good with yeah, that? No, just right there yeah, catching week? strays. Yeah. Yeah. It all depends. And Patriots tight end. It, it all depends. If you've ever played in the NFL and there is an outburst, even if however small it is, not only will TMZ take the video from you, but it will say either current or former, wait for it, NFL star Marcus Pollard. Well, what if it's you know, Ken they Gilded? really like to like really build it up. Like you're really about to see something great. And it just one guy drops an F-bomb and yeah. then he leaves, you know. So, uh, oh, now every time Greg Hardy's in the news, it's former Cowboy, ex-Cowboy star Greg <laughs> Hardy. You know, it's never the Pro Bowls he made and the career he had with other teams. It's they If they played for the Cowboys, that's always the headline. It's ex-Cowboy did this. Look what they're up to again. Boys will be boys, eh? But hey, let's, let's be honest. Even if it was what we all thought it was, probably when we saw the headline, oh, Odell was drunk, disorderly on a plane. Would that stop the Cowboys from making a move still? No, absolutely not. I don't think so. No, and that's why, I mean, Jerry was asked about it today. Mike McCarthy was asked about it yesterday, and they didn't seem like it was even a blip on their radar. It didn't concern them at all. So uh, I don't think that that, you know, I had someone reach out to me asking me, you know, where do you think the Cowboys stand on this? This is like probably about an hour after the incident happened. I'm like, you serious? The Cowboys? <laughs> you think this is a deterring? Okay. Uh, well, no. I'm, also, there's no track record. Ahead. There's there's also no track record of Odell having this sort of this this isn't Antonio Brown 
um, you know, getting off and getting carried off a plane or something like that. Like, sure, whatever you want to say about his locker room stuff or whatever issues he's had there. But in terms of like just off the field, like, you know, those kind of issues, there's no track record. So so, you know, it shouldn't be a concern. I think the Cowboys are fine in that. Uh, John wrote a good piece uh, earlier in the week, just kind of looking at all the factors um, that the Cowboys are kind of dealing with going into to looking at Odell Beckham. Make sure you give that a read. That showed up in the Pulse newsletter. If you're not signed up for that, what are you doing? Check the Pulse every day. Um, okay, so uh, let's do some roster cleanup uh, and then have a little conversation about the coaches and some things like that. Uh, Terrell Basham gets the axe today. Cowboys have an open spot on their roster. Kind of saw this coming. I don't know if I saw him getting cut, but you know, Terrell Basham has not been a factor all year, and the Cowboys' pass rush has obviously been just fine. So, uh, kind of a kind of a typical move. Uh, your thoughts on that, John? Yeah, th- I mean, he was a guy that was. There were rumblings. They were trying to shop him at the trade deadline, and he could have potentially been released the way Tristan Hill did. Frankly, I thought it would be Basham released on that day that Hill was released. So. Um, not a, not a huge shock. Just the one thing that you get to is, okay, well, what does this move for? You know, cause there's part of you that's like, well, this could be for Tyron Smith because we've seen him out at practice working on the resistance cords. And I saw him, uh, actually at the game on the sidelines, which he hasn't done all season since he's had the injury. So I was like, oh, he must be getting close. But, um, I don't know if that's necessarily for this week. I, th- I think he still could be a week away. Then it brings you to, okay, well, maybe James Washington. Uh, he, you know, Jerry said on the radio this morning that he's getting really close. And, uh, you know, James Washington fractured that foot on the first day of padded practice in training camp. I don't think anyone expected him to be out this long. So maybe he's the one uh, that's coming back. I frankly, to be honest with you, I don't know what, what exact the roster move would be. And it might not be anything that interesting, but uh, they weren't getting anything really from Basham, so they're moving on because they need a roster spot for someone that they feel is more important to the team. So uh, I don't know exactly who that is yet. I don't think it's necessarily they're doing that for Odell Beckham. Uh, they are, The plan is still to meet with Odell Beckham on December 5th, so next week, and then they're going to go from there after they check out the medicals and talk financials and all those things like that. So I don't see this being a move that they would have made for Odell Beckham. Yeah, no, no, I think it's still probably a week away from that. I think the interesting thing with Odell, while it's still coming down to the medicals, like you've mentioned many times before and things like that, and can he help and what does he care about for next year? But like, you know, Terrell Basham, Tristan Hill, hey, thanks for, uh, you know, what you did for us. Let's move it on down the road. You have um, you know, Hankins, Anthony Barr, where are we on those guys? It's still early in the week. We're recording this on Tuesday evening, by the way. Uh, do you think those guys will be back in the mix this week? Uh, Hankins could be a possibility. J. Ron Curse it seems like there could be a good possibility there with his shoulder. I don't feel the same way about Anthony Barr and the hamstring. I think it's going to be a little bit of time before he comes back, and I don't think the Cowboys mind that right now just because it's getting more snaps for Damone Clark, who they look at as being a, a piece not only for now but well into the future. So that'll be interesting uh, to see how that all works out. And if, if Clark keeps playing well, maybe he earns himself a starting spot that he keeps even when Anthony Barr comes back. But yeah, it sounds like when he tweaked that hamstring, it was a little bit of a setback there. And generally speaking off of, you know, Mike McCarthy and how he runs the team, he's not going to rush a guy back too soon from that, especially when Damone Clark's playing pretty well. Yeah. Um, it's kind of wild that if you went into this year, one of the top Vegas odds for head coaches to be out of the I get, uh, possibility of getting fired or let go would be, Mike McCarthy. He was up there with Matt Rule, who's been axed. And a couple other names near the top of the list. Mike McCarthy was up there. And now I think there's a pretty good um, argument to be made for him to be coach of the year. I think, you know, maybe Mike McDaniel in Miami's, uh, you know, doing some good things there. You kind of look around the league and you could kind of, you could even, you, you could put up a fight for Ron Rivera at this point at seven and five if you wanted to. I mean, uh, Pete Carroll's kept the uh, Seahawks afloat. I don't know how much those matters. These are really just accolades and awards at, in the end. It's not, not to, you know, really a, a full look at what the team is. But it, it is that time of year when you start hearing scuttlebutt about coaches being uh, on the hot seat let go hot names for next year. 
And we're kind of where we were last year, I think, with Dan Quinn. And if you look at what the Cowboys offense has done since Dak has been back, they're number one in the league in most categories. So, Kellen Moore's name, whether you think he has anything to do with it or not, Kellen Moore's name deserves to be up there as well. I, I'm i very interested in – look how the season goes is going to be how this all plays out. But I'm very interested in Dan Quinn's long-term desire to be here when head coaching jobs might be out there. Um, if you look at some of the teams who might have openings, clearly Arizona is weird because they just gave Cliff a big deal, but Cliff and Kyler are not long for this world uh, together, it doesn't seem. What happens in Denver is very interesting with Nathaniel Hackett. That could be an appealing situation for someone. Cleveland, I think Stefanski's fine, but you know, Deshaun Watson, they're getting him back. That's an interesting deal. And Houston and Carolina, of course. And then New Orleans could be a team that gets them around enough to just go run Dennis Allen. But that's an interesting place. So there's some, you know, names that are already out there. Some teams who might have some openings. I just wonder how much Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore might be coveted by some of these teams. I think Dan Quinn more than Kellen Moore. Yeah. Uh, just because that's been the biggest difference with this Cowboys team from previous good Cowboys teams in the past that the defense is just on a different level how he's been able to use Micah Parsons and some of these other key pieces, how he's been able to uh, implement guys that haven't been significant free agency or trade additions and, and putting them in specific roles that seems to, you know, help the entire team play better. We weren't seeing that before, obviously. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of reasons why I can see Dan Quinn being at the top of a lot of interview lists, but uh, I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll we'll see it. This is a league that seems like they're always trying to look for the young offensive mind. And, you know, I think that Dan Quinn should get a, another chance to be a head coach in this league. But that remains to be seen. You know, if uh, if he gets a good offer from someone and, and uh, you know, it's a good opportunity, I could see him taking it. I, I don't care how much money Jerry Jones, you know, renegotiated his contract. I mean, to get a chance to be a head coach, you're going to take it. Same thing for Kellen Moore. I just don't know that the interest for Kellen Moore is what it was, let's say, maybe two years ago. But we'll find out. I mean, he had a lot of, he's had a lot of interviews the last two off-seasons, so we'll see. But to your earlier point, I think there's still a lot of cards that need to be played with this season. I mean, if it goes the exact same way as last year, knocked out in the first round, the offense, whatever, I don't see where Kellen Moore is a hot name. Flip side, it's opposite of last year. They go deep in the playoffs. Offense looks great. They're putting up big numbers uh, against good teams. And let's say they don't even win the Super Bowl, but let's say they get the NFC Championship game, things like that. Callum Moore's name will be really hot again, you know? So I just think there's a long way to go to determine how that. And then let's be honest, look at the Mike McCarthy thing. Let's say they win 12, 13 games. They won 12 last year, lost in the wild card round, first round done. Jerry talked about how healthy that team was and how great that team was, yada, yada, yada. You go into this season, they're really healthy right now. Let's even add on the fact that let's say they get Odell Beckham and then they lose in the first round again. Everything's great for Mike McCarthy right now, but if that happens, I don't know what Jerry Jones will do. There's not a, That's not 100% guarantee that that he would be back because uh, if it's this disaster, you know, we, the team looked nervous before playing the 49ers. You can't really be doing that again, you know, so... Uh, there's just still a lot, a lot of cards that need to be played before we determine anything about where these coaches are going. But I would say, uh, in terms of going another team, Dan Quinn's stock is the highest. Yeah, I think Dan Quinn's stock is the highest, but I think it's also somewhat the most fragile in in terms of you know he's he's a guy that's going to be going to his second head coaching job. He doesn't have a ring. You can, you kind of know like he's going to be fragile may not be the right word but more like he has to be a lot more careful in terms of where he goes because if he chooses another bad situation then he's 0-2 in in head coaching jobs um it's harder to get that third job then after that so if you're kind of like you know you're looking you want to have you want to make sure that whatever you're looking for he's a defensive guy whether it's a defensive structure a quarterback whatever the case may be you want to make sure that's more in place than you know, just taking the first opportunity that comes about. I think if you have a Super Bowl ring, you know, if Mike McCarthy gets fired, he might get a third job because he still has that ring to fall back on. Um, but I think Dan Quinn, if you 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 had you know you had success in Atlanta but didn't get a ring, um, then you go to another place, you don't get a Super Bowl ring. It's going to be hard to get that third job. So I think he has to be a lot more careful, um, even more so than Kellen. I think who who would still have a little bit more uh, tolerance after that. You know, there's a lot of um 
you know, fun names out there and things like that. But I think obviously everything always comes back to Sean Payton when it talks about like gossiping about next year. But can I just throw a name out there? I know this has been talked about a little bit on social media. I don't feel like Sean McVay is going to have a lot of stomach for the fight. I could be wrong. He does felt like TV guy. And that's been, you know, whispers about that. But Sean McVay totally seems like a guy who is like, well, we're losing all these games this year, and then the Lions get our pick. We went all in. We won the title. What's next? Dallas might be a place that interests him, though. And I'm just, look, I know I'm going out to Magic Mountain with this one right now, but we're just podcasting and having fun. Uh, and I also think, like, Sean Payton, like, he has family in, uh, you know, California. It's like the Rams or the Chargers, if Staley were to get ran, that might be interesting for Sean Payton. So just throwing, just throwing out some wild scenarios. I know it's, you know, week 13, with, but quite frankly, it's With both tweet. Sean McVay and both Sean Payton, <clears throat> the thing that's a hold up with both of those that gives me a little bit of a pause when it comes to the Cowboys on that in terms of, let's say, next season or the season after is that they're both under contract with those teams. And I'm not saying the Cowboys would never give up you know, first round picks or whatever, but for a coach and then that coach, if you're giving those up, you're going to have to make that coach one of, if not the highest paid coaches, like show me where Jerry's done that. So, and then the other part is a lot of times they're going to want personnel say, you know, that's always been the thing with Sean Payne. He's going to want personnel say like, I don't know. There's just a lot of things that go into that where I'm like, well, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm going to get my popcorn because that's going to be pretty interesting to see the Cowboys run that way. Cause I haven't seen them do it before and I haven't seen it do it since I've covered the team. So I know they make sense or the big names. I can see where both of those individuals would be interested in the Cowboys job, but um, I'll, I'll kind of believe that when I see it. Yeah, those Art. guys' philosophies do kind of fly in the face of, you know, what the Cowboys do. The Cowboys are just trying to be in it every single year. Those guys will go in and tank a team salary cap for years. <laughs> it's like, and then I'll well, see you. You know, I deal with just, that, New Orleans. Uh, deal and just with like, that, Rams. <laughs> and just like with Mike McCarthy, there will be a transition period. Uh for having to deal with you're not the face the face will be your your team owner and general manager because of how available that person is in the media you can sit there let's say we'll we'll say sean mcveigh or sean payton are the coach right now today of the dallas cowboys do you think they've ever been through a scenario where let's say they're the coach today they just had a press conference this morning and they said they were asked about odell beckham they downplayed it short answers got out of it Jerry goes on the radio, lengthy answers, five different questions about Odell. Like both of those guys, Super Bowl rings, big egos, had success, always been the guy. They're the last say. You think that, that that's going to be taken as like, <laughs> that's just how it goes around here, I guess. Let's just go carry on with our day. I doubt it. Yeah, probably. You want to get real crazy? Yes. And and I know, I know uh, it would probably never happen, but. I think it would intrigue Jerry. Um, Dion, dude, <laughs> Coach Prime. You know what? Jeff Saturday's a coach. I, so. I've just been kind of watching what's been happening down there with Dion. Like they're winning a lot, and like he's doing really well. I wonder if Jerry's been kind of watching that too. And how great would it be? Like you know, last time we won a Super Bowl, the missing piece was Dion Sanders. Yeah, you know, that's he fine. That, that, that's a piece. That. That's a piece that's at least. I would say it's years and, away. Yeah, because he's he not going to be ready for at the NFL. He, well, he I has think to he win at to another win at level. A bigger school. Yeah, yeah, winning at Jackson State ain't going to make him go. Oh, let's get that Jackson State coach over here. Yeah. I mean, you're, it's great what he's doing there, and that's going to propel him State or something. That's going to propel him to a bigger college football job. But you, you're going to have to if you're going to go right from college to the pro level, you're probably going to have to show that you can do it against a, a schedule where you're playing, you know, some real power teams. Uh, week in and week out. I, I don't know. I just think with Deion Sanders that his big draw is going to be the fact that he's going to be so relatable to so many kids that uh, he just seems in a perfect spot to be a college coach right now. I don't even know if he'd want to take on everything that comes with being a pro, pro head coach. You know, I mean, obviously you don't have the recruiting, but there's other stuff that you have to deal with that. I mean, hey, it's the Cowboys job, sure. But I just think he's going to have to win somewhere else before you can even start seriously discussing yeah. anything like that. I I 100% believe that he would have considered Witten without any experience. Yeah, I don't yeah, know I about that. So too. I, it I was just, at least a I, thought. I just, I just, it was felt dreamed like, about. I, I just think that his whole thing, like, I don't, you always take a little bit of grain of salt with Jerry, but when he says he doesn't have time to have a bad time, like, 
I really believe him on that. Like I do think there is a sense of urgency of of at least getting a coach that gives you a chance to win a Super Bowl. Um, even if he wants to hand pick that coach, um, you know, I, I think there is a little bit to that. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't like this. Isn't Jim Irsay? Like he was. He's not just. He's not just gonna go but, out there and. Okay, and here's what he means starts. though by not have a bad time. Not have a bad time. Do you think he would have a bad time with Dion as the head coach? I think he'd have a if freaking great winning. time. <laughs> if they're not winning, he wouldn't. That's what he means. Like if they're not winning, maybe. Big, nah, he would not care. Since when does he care about winning that much? <laughs> I mean, I don't know that he's hired a head coach just because he likes a dr- he has a drinking buddy. You know, why would you st- why would you run a decade with with Jason Garrett? You think him and Jerry are, are real close? Oh, like, why would you stay that long with Jason Garrett if you wanted a guy that you were really good friends with and you'd have a fun time partying? That he'd be the last guy that would be your coach. Okay, can I spar yeah. on this? Good indictment John, on Jason. <laughs> who's your Florida State guy? Mike Norvell. How's he doing? He's doing good, right? Yeah, building fine. that thing up. Yeah, what about it? You want a little coach prime down in Florida State? No, we're good. <laughs> All right. How about we kick Jimbo out of AM and send him up to the Cowboys and as an advisor? Dude, that's a that might be a good fun job for Dion, to be honest. AM? I'd take him. AM would mean, take him. Not? I think the SEC would eat him, but I think I, yeah. I, I think AM would take him. The SEC is gonna cannibalize itself. They said Colorado I, I offering him a job, right? Yeah. So we'll yeah. see there. I don't know. That's just in like I'm thinking about old school Jerry and one you know, wanting to make a make a name, that's that's a name that I think he he's kind of watching what's going on down there, you know, and seeing yeah. seeing how how things shake out with Dion the coach. You prefaced it. Oh, go ahead. I, well, I was just gonna say, you know, just listening to him talk also the other day after the game, um, it was interesting because you know we're talking about the Washington Post story and everything, and and he was like talking about like you know it, it, it's all about who you know. And and about people that he knows. And I feel like if there like, you know, if there was going to be a guy that he went completely off the rails with, it would be someone that he knows like Dion. But still don't think it would do it. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the Colts for a little bit. Speaking of coaching chaos. (laughs) Yes. Perfect transition. You know, they were doing well after that first win with Jeff Saturday and they're uh, making cool videos, putting it out on social media. Everyone's hype. And then two straight losses and then some clown show clock management last night that made you realize really quickly. And it just kind of hire another ESPN guy. I'd take my chances with Kenny Mayne. Um, you know, it's one of those Mina. deals where Coach the Colts. Mina. Let's go. Is this, I could be wrong. I remember just this being a talking point of ours for years of doing this podcast and going, it sure feels like the defensive struggles with some mobile quarterbacks sometimes, which any team would. You get a quarterback in there and extend to play. Who doesn't that cause problems for? Boy, if you want a statue, you've got one. If the Colts decide to roll with Matt Ryan again this week on Sunday night, <laughs> this has got this reeks of a five sack game potential for Michael Parsons. I was checking I know, the earlier. He's got twelve. And I was thinking, like, man, is is he going to get to the number we had? Seventeen, I think, is the number. It's like he he could get at least two or three in this game. <laughs> Look no at doubt. What uh, what are their other options though? I mean, if you want to run out Sam Ellinger again, you can. Yeah. So what happens with Sam Ellinger? I mean, and this is what I think will probably happen in the game anyway. But with Matt Ryan, at least you have a better chance of this not happening. But you run Sam Ellinger out there, you could have the same exact thing as Thanksgiving, where it's like. You're just okay. Play with your food. Commit 13 penalties. Still win the game. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, okay, put, roll him out there. So maybe he won't get sacked as much, but he'll probably throw the ball to the Cowboys three times, you know? I don't know. But also, the one thing about Matt Ryan, too, I think he's the best opportunity that they have, but let's also remember last year. I mean, he got sacked twice in that game. Uh, Cowboys blew out the Falcons 43 to three. I mean, I just remember because there was the same questions being asked to Dan Quinn because this is obviously the quarterback that he went to Super Bowl with. And he said a lot of same things yesterday when he was asked about him, just like, yeah, and they absolutely dominated him. And it was the it was the next game after that Denver loss where you kind of were like, ooh, things are kind of kind of shook some things up here. And then they go out 43 to three. It made you think that, oh, they're right back on track. They're rolling again. Matt Ryan, nine of 21 passing, 117 yards, 
no touchdowns, two interceptions, two sacks. I mean, and that was with, you know, Kyle Pitts and company. So I don't know. I just, I, after watching that game, unfortunately, as much as I did the other night, like the Colts are just not very good. Like this, I, I, I could see this as long as the Cowboys don't turn the ball over like five times. I could see Jonathan Taylor having a good game and it being like that Bears game where it's like, did you see what Justin Fields did? Yeah, and then I saw that they still lost by 20, you know, where, yeah, the stopping the run and, and eliminating the penalties, those are the two biggest issues I have with this Cowboys team. It's kind of been a thing we've seen throughout the last, you know, two and a half years since Mike McCarthy's been a head coach. I, to the point where I can tell you if, when they lose in the postseason, it'll either be because this team ran all over them or they committed these penalties. But that's teams that make it to January. This Colts team is not making it to January. So you probably can commit 10, 15 penalties against them. You probably can let Jonathan Taylor go for a buck 50 and two touchdowns, and you'll probably still win this game as long as you don't do anything just egregiously awful. It's kind of the problem with this season. I mean, that Falcons game last year was a mask for what for sure. the Cowboys team was. And I uh, I feel my I feel like I watched the Cowboys and I feel like especially after that Vikings game in which they fully dominated them. But I worry about that that Bears and that Lions game, which the Lions are proving to at least be competitive. Um, right. Yeah, like are those games masks too, where you just kind of dominate those teams? Well, the Lions game was actually kind of close until the end, but you beat those teams pretty good. You win by eleven. Move it on down the road. The Packers lost. We can say that's an outlier. We can, you know, whatever happened in that game's weird. You had a really good chance to win that game. You couldn't close it out. And you get here, and I'm like, okay, we got the Colts who are terrible. You're going to get Houston, who's uh, unwatchable, just unwatchable. Jacksonville after that, maybe Jacksonville can get you. You know, Jacksonville could could be competitive right now. Trevor Lawrence seems to be finding it. I don't know what the hell to say about this team until we get to Philadelphia in Week 16. Yeah, And I wish it was easier to talk about them, but they're good. How good? It's immeasurable right now. I know the offense yeah. is back on track now that Dak's here. I know that much. And the problem is, like, it's not even it's not even like they're they're blowing it against good teams and then doing really good. It's just the NFL this year. There's just not a lot of very high end teams. I mean, you know, when, when before the Minnesota game, we were all talking about that's kind of that's probably your last measuring test before before the Philadelphia game, and they did well. I mean, okay, Tennessee, um, right. but. But like, but like, you know, whatever tests they've had, they've kind of, they've been pretty good during it, but it's just, these teams aren't as good as, as, you know, um, as, you know, there's not like this top tier. You don't have the chiefs last year. They had the chiefs this year. You don't have the chiefs. You don't have the bills. Um, the only thing you can do is it's like, you know, it's that old cliche of like you play who's on your schedule. The, the, the best they could do was have a really good game against the Vikings. That that's the best they could do until they play the Titans. Stack wins right now while you can. I guess it does get a little difficult. You know, Saj said Eagles at Titans at Washington in Week 18. If that game was meaningful, that's not a cakewalk at this point, and that pains me to say. I, that. Well, I thought that game was going to be a cakewalk, and then I saw that Sean Taylor statue, and I was just <laughs> like, man, you got to worry about this Washington organization, man. They just do stuff the right way, and you just gotta, you just, you worry about them, man. They just seem to really know what they're doing over there. It is wild that every time they get in just a little bit of hot water, they quickly go, hey, hold on, let's do another Sean Taylor memorial. It's funny to me because growing up in Detroit, amongst all of my friends, family that still follow the Lions live in Michigan, there's always just this talk of just, man, we're fans of just the absolute worst dumpster fire. And then now since I've been down here in Dallas and and getting to cover the NFC, NFC East for the last 12 years, I am always jumping. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. There's one that's worse. I'm telling you, it's not even close. And it's the one in Washington. I go, and, and, and they'll be like, well, how do you know for sure? I'll go, I'll give you the perfect example. The Lions were at least able to get Ford Field built. Washington can't even do that. And they have multiple states where you could potentially put that thing. And they're one of, if they're run even just halfway decent, one of those organizations that would be like top five or six in all of the NFL, maybe even higher if they had the right person. And they can't even get the, the most just simple, basic things right. It's just incredible. I mean, if you're a Cowboys fan, you have to love that Washington is in your in your division. And you have to hope that Dan Snyder remind, remains their owner for as long as you live. 
John is in this unique vortex where he's like covering the Dallas team. So he also gets the Washington perspective. And then and then he's a Lions fan. And the, I, if I'm not mistaken, those are the three teams right in the NFC that have made it to an NFC title game right. in like the last 20 years. So, yeah, yeah you, you must you must be doing something. If you, the, uh, if you know it's the, bad, let me tell you, I know bad. I'm your expert on this. We'll one up him on the statue game when the Dirk statue comes out. Don't worry. That thing, right. I don't even know. I, I just amazes me. Whoever came up with that ran it by maybe they didn't run it by somebody, but you'd think ran it by at least one other individual. So that that would have made two individuals go, no, 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 this is a good idea. This is going to be awesome. People are going to love this. Amazing. Isn't that the fun stat? Cowboys, Washington, and Detroit. Yeah, the three who haven't yeah. made the NFC Championship game. Yeah. Here's my question: The Cowboys are the team that at least is kind of in it every year. Yeah, for sure. And well, if you if you're um, back home with your uh, you get your family and friends in Detroit. Would you trade a few playoff experiences and then change the reputation, though? You know, with you watched at least like RG three, you know, a couple of with, years with Washington. Year. Yeah, I don't. I would not look at any of what of those you just said as anything I would care about. I, I'm. Th- I would look at more of in my lifetime. At least there's been those Joe Gibbs years and and those teams. You know, with Art Monk and. You know, whatever. Mark Rippon, they obviously won with their their defense, but um, those teams, Daryl Green, those teams, at least they showed you what they could be. I can look at that and be like, man, if you could just get Daniel Snyder out of the way, I, I could see us going back because this could be one of the top teams in the NFL. But as long as he owns the team and it looks, I mean, maybe he, maybe he will be forced to sell. I don't know. I'll believe that when I see it. Um, I just I, I don't see how anybody thinks that they're going to be even decent. I, you know, it's funny because you say about uh, the Lions. You said earlier, like they're actually playing okay or whatever. That was they sold out Ford Field like ridiculous. You couldn't even get tickets for that Thanksgiving game against the Bills. Even with RG three, I don't even know if Washington's <laughs> been like that. It's you know what's the best thing that Washington does is they put the press box at, at the lower level so you can't really see the upper bowl other than just like like one cor- corner. But where typical press boxes are, you can see the entire upper bowl, the entire stadium. Like I, There's so many times where I've been there, I'm just like, I don't think there's anything, anybody is above us. You know, it's almost like the whole like, uh, I don't know if you ever watched like USC or UCLA yeah. when they're playing at, at home and they have like seven retired jerseys that, that, that are the side size of like, I don't know, like the United Center. Like, I mean, just like, they, we got to take up the upper bowl because we don't want people to even see that there's nobody up here, you know? Uh, that's how Washington is to me. So I think Washington can turn it around pretty quick with the right ownership because they do have a diehard fan base that, that I mean, you can build off of that. But I don't know, man. I, I mean, you if like you're going to get moved if they get sold, right? Well, well I mean, they'd still be... with getting a new stadium. Yeah, but I mean, they'd still... I mean, they're either going to be in D.C., back where old RFK was, or I don't know, they put them in Maryland. I mean, they have yeah. they have some options there. I just don't think anybody, you know, wants to associate with Dan Snyder right now to build yeah. a new stadium. Yeah. I bet you if they got new ownership, I bet you they get a new stadium within a year, two years, whatever it took. Yeah, I think I also have I have a few Lions fans, and the one thing that they always tell me is like, at least the Lions will give you, you know, a Barry Sanders career, a Calvin Johnson career to kind of get behind, and then they'll give you Matthew Stafford, who then you can transplant your fandom into L.A. And you can right. you can become a, you can become a Rams fan by default, and so they they they're kind of extending you. So I I swear I have a couple of Lions fans, and they think they've won a Super Bowl ring. So you know yeah. that that I, it's almost like the Lions fan a franchise almost doesn't even exist. I thought it was the wildest thing. It's it's eleven whatever Thursday morning. Parades happening, of course. Get through the parade, flip it over, Detroit Buffalo. Pick up my phone, scroll Twitter. It's about to be kickoff. Literally, kick is about to happen. Look at my phone for a minute. Breaking. Ford recalls 518,000 vehicles. I'm like, oh my. Uh, the game's about to start. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> What's happening to the automotive industry? A little trouble with the Ford Blazer. Ford Field. Uh, yeah. Oh, the sign just fell uh, off Ford Field. What's going on? <laughs> the Ford Bronco, not the Ford Blazer. Sorry, the Ford Bronco. Um well, I, mean, I, I talk about Daniel Snyder. Daniel Snyder, uh, he does inappropriate things that you know embarrass the franchise. The Ford family isn't doing that. 
But since they've owned the team, it's been an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, you can literally connect it to, I think they purchased it in 63. I mean, the Lions were one of, they were arguably the best team in football in the 50s. Yeah. It was like the Lions and Browns dominated the 50s of football. And then 60s came along, they dropped off, and Ford family bought the team. It's never be, even been, it's been, you know, arguably the worst franchise in sports ever since. But they don't, they don't sit there and they're not doing things publicly very often that just, you know, you're embarrassed. Like, what? they're just not good, doing a good job of running a sports team. Sure. But the issue you run into here uh, in all of these cases is that the league continues to grow. So you don't even have to be good at being an owner of an NFL team. As long as you own an NFL team, you can be terrible. As long as you can continue to own it, you will make lots and lots of money. It's, I don't know, there's probably better examples out there, but I can't think of many where you can, as long as you have this, you don't have to put in any effort and it'll just keep gaining value and gaining value. I mean, I'm sure there's some property, you know, areas where you can buy property in different places around the world that doesn't even matter if you put a, just an absolute shack dump house on it, it'll always have great value, but Man, NFL franchises, you do not have to run that team well and you will and you will print money. You think um the Amazon deal is gonna hinder the ability for Bezos to buy the team? Would that be a <laughs> conflict of interest or something? That's interesting. <laughs> that would be interesting, yeah. Uh I don't know. I don't know how that works, but I, I know people in Detroit would give anything to have that team be sold to anybody just to try something different. But yeah, I'm sure Washington fans feel the exact same way. I'm sure there's some people listening to this podcast right now that feel the same way. Um, what was some of the, the rumors about the ownership group? Like, wasn't Jay-Z involved in one of those rumors? Uh, With Washington? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that's not going to be where... Uh, LeBron? Yeah, yeah. I just don't think that you'd have a, a... I don't think you'd be the main owner. You know how he was in sure. on... He had an ownership stake with... The Brooklyn Nets, he wasn't the main. Yeah. I think that was at Mikhail Prokhorov. It was the main guy. So I don't know. You got to get to that where you own over 50% so that you can be the one that's making all the calls and, you know, really yeah. making the decisions and things like that. So even if you give an owner a small stake to Jay-Z, LeBron, whoever, but Dan Snyder still owns over 51%. I don't know how much Washington would change. But with that being said, I don't see why any of those guys would associate with Dan Snyder. So. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Fall Guy, only in theaters May 3rd, rated PG-13. Year 7 of Dak's career, we're firmly in accolade territory with the touchdown pass. Uh, he's going to pass Roger Staubach on the Cowboys' all-time passing touchdowns list. Also going to pass Troy for most rushes if he uh, runs the ball twice on Sunday. So, Dak keeps moving up the charts. Uh, I saw a stat that said Dak had uh, 18, averaged 18 air yards per throw. Uh, on Thanksgiving Day. That's a ridiculous number. Dak is an aggressive quarterback. Um, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if the entire fan base sees that or not. I don't, I'm not saying I sees it like while they watch it. It's just like you get, you can stick to narratives very easily and how he played in 2016 and 2017 where they took the wide receivers away from him. Dak has been for a few years now a really aggressive quarterback. And it's fun to watch. It's maddening if, uh, 
you know, there's a deflection or there's a miscommunication and there's a couple interceptions, but well, you take the bad with the good right there, in my opinion. I asked Kellen Moore about that yesterday, and, and they like that because they believe if he's not aggressive, then the defense can kind of clamp down, make the field smaller. So if you're not trying to take those shots, then, you know, the defense can kind of, not, I'm not going to say go one dimension on you, but it can make their job a little bit easier where they if they don't have to worry about that over-the-top stuff. Um, and when Kellen answered that, one of the first things I thought about was that Bengals game that the Cowboys won this year because after the game, you know, Jamar Chase, one of the best big play receivers in the league, never got an opportunity there, and they totally took away that part of the game, and that Bengals team looked nothing like we had seen, at least during the playoffs in the Super Bowl. And so that's one of those things where if you're not taking those shots here and there, you know, it makes the defense's job a lot easier. So, of course, you don't want all of these to come right in the middle of the field, right to CeeDee Lamb. I mean, it's like so many of these things are exact right before halftime. You know, I mean, yeah. against a good team, you do one of the, that could be the play that decides a game. So um, those two still working on getting on the same page. But I feel like CD and Michael Gallup, like we talked about after the game, I think that was the best game they had c- collectively uh, this season. And so I, I feel like they're both trending in a good direction that if, uh, you know, I don't know, sprinkling a little Odell, maybe that trio just takes it to another hey. level. Yeah. And also I think, you know, I, talking to Kellen a few years ago, I remember when Dak was actually starting to kind of, you know, become a little bit more aggressive. One thing he said was if, if you're aggressive, you can scale that back. But if you're just conservative and you then, and then you have to be aggressive you're gonna look like a fool. Like you, you, you can't just turn that switch. Um, like Cooper Rush can't be Dak, but Dak can be Cooper Rush. And so, yeah, you know, if he if he is aggressive, and then they get to a point where okay, you just need to scale it back right now. Then I do think that he's able to do it, and he's not gonna go rogue or anything. So, um, so I, I think you know, like yeah, that's the other thing is is you know like you have to see what your ceiling is, and you know. With Dak, if you're aggressive, I, I you know that's that's how you want it the default to be, and then you calibrate as you go. What to, what bothers you? Is there a matchup here about the Colts that worries you? I, the easy answer would say, well, if Jonathan Taylor runs on you, but you said that about Saquon, Cowboys didn't really allow much on the ground there. Is there any? I guess what I'm saying is, how do the Cowboys lose this game? <laughs> There's no excuse for them to lose this game. I mean, just the fact that even if they were playing better, let's say they didn't fire their head coach and hire uh, Jeff Saturday. The, just the fact that you're coming off of a Monday night game, you know, short rest, uh, you know, that's heavily in favor of a Cowboys team that hasn't played since the previous Thursday. Uh, the penalty thing that you're coming off of that game, if you're the Cowboys and you committed 13 penalties, you can't come into this game and all of a sudden commit 15 you know, so you would think that that gets better. It's kind of like we've seen when the run defense has been really bad. Typically, the next week it's better. The tackling's more sound. They're not giving up a lot of the same runs. I'm not saying they're shutting down the run, but it doesn't look as bad as the week before. So you think that they would be focused on cutting out, down on those penalties. I'm sure it's been talked about and will be talked about through this week. And then with the Jonathan Taylor thing, he was last year's leading rusher. I mean, he's clearly the guy that you have to worry about. He's your number one. Not saying that there aren't receivers on their team that could potentially beat you on a on a pass here or there. Obviously, that can happen. But your number one is to take him away. And then on offense, just don't turn the ball over. You don't need to score 20. You know, you probably beat this team, you know, 14 to 10, 17, 14. Like, just don't do anything stupid, you know? So, uh I can't think of many ways that the Colts win this game unless it's just this crazy amount of turnovers that the Cowboys have that you're just like, man, Zeke fumbled and Pollard fumbled and Zach Dak threw three interceptions. And, you know, like that would be what it would have to take. And then the run defense would just have to look, you know, like it did against Chicago and and and, uh, and against Green Bay. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, talent wise, I don't think it's even close. And then and then from a coaching standpoint, like, you know, you can't. You you have two four, you have two head coaches on staff and Dan Quinn and McCarthy and Kellen Moore and you're going against Jeff Saturday like like you better you better be able to you know have a scheme and plan in place that's able to do that uh, real quick though because like you know there's nothing like John said there's no excuse that with Jeff Saturday and the clock management thing uh, earlier this week and I know he took ownership for it it really bothers me and it and it and it. And it blows my mind that, like, you know, we saw the Broncos hire Jerry Rossberg earlier this year. How do NFL teams who are who are billion-dollar worth institutions 
can't hire one person to help the coach and with clock management and things like that in the middle of a game, especially if you're Jeff Saturday and you're a first-time head coach, how do you not have someone there who's going to help in those kind of situations and take that off your plate? I don't understand that. Well, you were sitting next to me during the early Thanksgiving game when one Detroit Lions team had in a good position with all three timeouts late in that game. Uh, and they clearly don't have somebody that's, you know, and like calling how? down in town. How do you not have that? I'm not saying that this is going to, I don't know for sure. So I'm just going to throw out possibilities. One former player doesn't want to listen to com- computer nerd. You know, I'm not saying that that's the case with either of them, but I can see how that'd be very possible. I've spent my life in this game and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to listen to this, this number crunchers tell me like the percentages and that's why I need to go for the, you know, they don't want to listen to that as much. Uh, that could be a factor. The other thing is, is that with the Jeff Saturday thing, maybe today he realizes that and that, and that's something that needs to be added, but he was just kind of thrown in, in the mix and he's yeah. kind of just, you know, managing things as he goes. It'd be one thing if he was at least on their staff, let's say he was the offensive line coach and then they elevated him to head coach. You're like, well, he doesn't have any, this is, his, you know, he's only been, but at least if he was with the team all year long, maybe he would have known some of those, you know, blind spots or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, that, that's the thing. Like you, most fans watching that game were sitting there going like, how are you not using a timeout? He just slid down. This isn't college football. Well, even if it was college, it would have <laughs> yeah, stopped yeah. because he didn't get a first down. I don't know. It's always crazy to me when they have the timeouts and they're not using them late. Like, what do you, what are you saving that thing for? And like, get, if, like think play. about Andy Reid. Think about what Andy Reid's reputation would be if he just had someone there to make clock management like uh, decisions and things like that. He's a phenomenal coach. His only blind spot is game management. How do you not hire someone to then help you do that? And has well, he they hired Patrick Mahomes. Clock management? Yeah, has <laughs> he got better clock management? Right? Like, yeah, uh, he has. He has, and he got Patrick I, Mahomes. I, so I, I feel like it's it's so funny because. Give Jeff Saturday the prime Peyton Manning back on that Colts team (laughs) and Peyton would have called that timeout. You know, he wasn't thinking this through the short term idea of being a coach. Like, okay, this got handed to me. Yeah. Well, now it's going to go so poorly. You're going to have no credibility when you go to ESPN to try to get your analyst job back. (laughs) Hold Uh, on, hold on, hold on. So you're acting like that there aren't people that are on any of those shows. Urban Meyer. That they haven't had those things happen to them and they just I roll know. them back out there. I mean, I don't want to name names I here, know. but I, if you watch enough of these shows, not just ESPN, but a lot of these former player things, you there's a lot of head scratching that goes on. You're like, so this is the one, huh? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to listen to this guy has all the answers, huh? Okay, cool. I, I go out of my way to avoid those shows. Um, yeah, although, of course. Man, there was a This doesn't work I mean, out with Jeff Saturday. Do you know how quickly he could be like, they shouldn't have given me that job, but they did, so I took yeah. it, you know? <laughs> He's already yeah. said that. He said that in his introductory press conference. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> he can just, like, be like, I wasn't the one who hired me, you know? So, <laughs> What do you want from me? Yeah. It's like, it's wild because, like, questioning play calling can get... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's worse? What's worse? Getting a chance to be a head coach and it being a complete flop, I'm t- and you left TV to do that, or to be on TV, get the Monday night football booth, be an epic disaster... And everybody still keeps TV jobs. I would think going and being a disaster as an NFL. Like if you told me that Joe Tessitore left Monday Night Football to be the Green Bay Packers head coach and it failed, and then they took him back on ESPN. Like I'm just saying that none of these guys are losing their jobs, even when it doesn't go well on TV. So I don't think that coaching Booker's is going to really be like it. exactly you know. And 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 I say that because it obviously didn't go well for Jason Witten either. Do you really think? If you watch football games on Sunday, you really think that Jason Witten can't get an NFL calling games job again? Yeah, he can if he wants. Think, Absolutely. I don't think he could, honestly. I do. I do. Absolutely he wouldn't get he, he wouldn't get the prime time, you yeah. know, main slot or whatever, but again, again, this is this it's gives me perspective. Really bad for him. You watch you you watch too many Cowboys and Packers games. You need to watch more Lions games. You need those Fox what they are one o'clock Eastern on the East Coast. You need to get some of those in your life. And then you'll Wait. and then you'll think a little bit differently about this. You're getting too much of the A team. I actually <laughs> think Fox gets pretty good. I think all the play by play guys are pretty good. They're fine, it's but I, they're, oh, there will be a spot at Fox if Jason Witten wants one. He won't be on the he won't not be on the main games or anything like that, but he'll be able to call some he'll be able to call some Lions, uh Seahawks, some Lions, uh I shouldn't even say Seahawks. That's not a good Jags. example. Yeah, Lions, Jags. Yeah, he can he can he can get in on that little Lions Panthers action coming at you. Is he still coaching high school? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
They did. Like his team was pretty good this year. A little bit. His, his team was pretty good this year. They lost the playoffs, I believe, because I only know because he, he coaches at the the uh, school that was my school's rival. So my school was playing them like a, in the playoffs or something. Um, but yeah, apparently his kid's really good. Who would have thought? Yeah, he's like Who a tight thought? end receiver. Cooper Witten is his name. He's like tall, big, fast, athletic, solid. It's all the Coopers solid. you got to watch out for. So watch out for the Coopers. <laughs> Speaking of Amari Cooper, Cooper five catches, uh, five games of over ninety yards. Uh, what? I didn't mention Amari Cooper. I, I didn't do that. What? Um, what if okay, it gets even crazier picks. with Watson? What if the numbers get even better? It's completely possible. What if they get worse? Well, then that'll be justification <laughs> to Jerry. Who's your favorite player on the Colts of all time? No, uh, uh, sure. That, that, that too. But right now, like who's just a player that you like watching on, on the Colts for all time. Any? I know for KT, it's, I don't even have to, you don't even have to answer. We all know it's Pat. John Unitas, of course. <laughs> KT big. Uh, oh, it's not Pat. Okay, it's not Pat. I know. I know. I was joking. <laughs> uh, Edron James. Oh yeah. Edron James for me too. Uh, Maybe, maybe Peyton Manning. I mean, Peyton Manning is, I feel like, too easy of an answer, but uh, yeah. Edron James. Edron James is really good, but I'll tell you what, uh, for me, Bob Sanders, when he was when he was clicking, that dude was so much fun to watch. It was such a short career, and he had so many injuries messing with him, but man, he was so much fun. But really current like, Colt would be Michael Pittman. Yeah, mine's Michael Pittman, too, currently. Uh, all yeah. time. Really likes Dallas Clark. When he was popping, he was a fun player to watch. Yeah. Uh, and Marvin Harrison, of course. Yeah. That's a big yeah. Terrence Wilkins guy returning kicks, too. Mm. T-Wilk. Brand Stokely. Um, First game I ever worked. First game I ever worked was Cowboys-Colts when it was, uh, uh, I guess, Colts were undefeated at the time. 21-14. 21-14, yeah. yeah. When Peyton Manning threw the pass out the end zone on fourth down. I remember that one. Yep. Yep. My job for that game was to keep track of T.O. drops for CBS. <laughs> he had like three Damn, or four in the game. Sign a whole person like, no that? joke. <laughs> like he had <laughs> multiple <laughs> drops. <laughs> my, my graphics got used multiple times. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was very funny. But that was quite, a, quite an experience to uh, experience that game because that was such a, a lot on the line in that game. Cowboys won the game. And then the Colts, I think, went on to win the Super Bowl that year. So Yeah, uh, that was, was Romo's, pretty, uh, that was Romo's first year. No. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to our picks here. Uh, Kent, you're at five and six. You will lead us off this week. All right. I'm thinking Cowboys, boys, <laughs> for this one. Um, but the score, uh, I think it'll be a little closer, maybe. So give me Cowboys 27, Colts 20. Wow. Not covering the spread again, like last week. I've been picking uh, them to cover to blow the spread out way too much. Um, but yeah, got to go the other saw. way sometimes. Uh, give six me six and five. Six and five. All right, give me Cowboys to win it. Um, Forty-two to seven. Woo! <laughs> Dang, That's pretty good. Uh, I'm next at seven and four. I got in Cowboys thirty-one ten. I, I I just don't see how this Colts team, who we all watched last night, scores points. I don't don't see how that happens. Uh, they got enough guys on defense, kind of keep it, you know, maybe keep the Cowboys in check a little bit, but they're, they're just not going to move the ball. There's no way. Uh, Can I make one bold 10. prediction? Yes, I'm going to say the Cowboys get a safety in this game. Get the. Are you serious? Why? I literally was going to set up as my score was going to be 22 to 13 with them getting a safety. <laughs> that is wild. Wow. Well, there it's going to happen now. <laughs> Stay with we it. called it. Wow. That's a good yeah. bold prediction. Eight and three, the same record as the Cowboys, says 22-13. 22-13. I just don't buy that they're going to take them as, as, as serious as they should. I mean, if they do, I, Scott, a side score would not surprise me at all. What but, are they going to do the, to the Texans the week after that? I mean, play with their food, <laughs> food playing time. Get yeah. those leftovers out. Play with them. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Well, we'll see you on Sunday night. Either way, uh, home game, home game. We'll find times in Arlington Sunday night. Good crowd. 
Crowd will be into it the first half. I don't see a big letdown. I wish crowd was into it on Thanksgiving Day, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, either way, doesn't matter. After you just watched the Colts last night. The Colts three straight weeks of being on national TV. They're gonna last night the Monday night game, Sunday night, and I think the Thursday the week after that. So, get a good look at Jeff Saturday, America. Um, it's not his fault. He took the job it was handed to him. <laughs> For Assad Youssef who is the beat, a reporter for those red-hot Dallas Stars. Third in the league in point differential. How about that? Or scoring differential. How about that? Second in the West at the time of this recording. So uh, make sure you're tracking side. Father John Mashoda, always putting out good stuff. And, of course, he'll be in the locker room and at Valley, uh, not Valley Ranch, at the Star all week Might be long. there. And for our producer, Kent Garrison. I'm Kevin KT Turner. We'll talk to you on Sunday night after the game here on About the I don't have time to have a bad time. (laughs) It ain't on my schedule.